I don't want to talk about like what we would be as a zombie, but I want to talk about an underrated aspect of zombie media, and that's zombie fashion. I want to know, as a zombie, what are you wearing? How's your skin looking? How's your raggedy clothes look? Because for Zombie Magazine, like we got to be on the cover of the next issue if we want to grow this podcast. So what are you mm. rocking? Let me know. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm rocking the extra pale look. So like between a gray and really white pale skin, uh, that zombie tiger actually took a chunk out of my leg. So I have a huge chunk out of my leg. My forehead was bashed in by somebody, but I wasn't killed. Oh, they didn't hit your brain. Okay. Yeah, it didn't hit my so brain. That's good. So yeah, but I still have a dent in my head. So that's kind of what I'm rocking right now. As far as clothing, I still got my, you know, I still got my polo and my jeans and my boots on, my hiking boots on actually. And uh, I'm still rocking that and just kind of wandering around. Okay, so you can be in the outdoor edition of Zombie Magazine then. Yeah, for sure. I think I would just be extremely pale, like full on white, just like bright white. Probably like a gash or two, like, I don't know, like nothing too deep, but just to kind of highlight the red against my ghostly skin. Um, I'm probably actually going to take this opportunity to test out a blonde hairstyle as well, just to see what it might look like. Um, I, I guess I would, I would just be Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be Pete Davidson. I'm actually not dead, but the zombies don't really know that I'm not dead because I kind of look like them. And, uh, yeah, so I'd be Pete Davidson. Are you Pete Davidson before tattoo removal, or do you still have your tattoos? Definitely still have them. Yeah, I still have the Ariana Grande bunny behind my ear, and whatever good stuff he has, because I like I like some of his tattoos, so I would keep those, and like I would talk to the zombies about like my film decisions, so it would be good. I mean, I'd love to be Pete Davidson. I'm just going to go like full casual as a zombie, so I, I've been stumbling around. I stumbled into a pair of Crocs. Um, I've got, got some ripped open sweatpants. But my like defining moment as a zombie is I've still got all my hair, but somebody tried to shoot a gun at me and it just skinned through the through the middle oh. of my hair. So I, I have like a reverse mohawk almost, oh, if you will. That's cool. Nice. That's cool. Who shot you? Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three alpha zombies with nothing better to do. I'm Austin Terry, and I love a lobster roll. I'm Keith Baker, and this is my kingdom. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I struggle to put on tiny glasses just like Dave Batista. On today's show, we are back to Zack. We'll be discussing the latest movie from Zack Snyder, Army of the Dead. But first, Matt, we have another episode of Co-op Couch coming later this week. What the hell is Co-op Couch and what will we be discussing? Yeah, Co-op Couch is our monthly gaming series, I guess you could say. Typically, it's where Austin and I come together um, and we just discuss kind of the new and hot gaming news of the month. And then the rest of the show is kind of our main topic. Last time we talked about Outriders, which our best buddy Keith joined us for. So that was a good one. And this month, we'll be talking about all the good news for May. And Austin and I will be breaking down Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Yeah, I've been playing through it. I can't wait to talk about it with you. And Keith, we don't have a bonus episode on the schedule for a few weeks. When will we be back to that format and what will we be covering? Yeah, we'll be back to that format in just a week or two. Uh, We have Loki coming out June 9th. Those will release every Wednesday and our episodes will come out every Friday. Awesome. I... Are you guys excited for that? Do you think Loki's going to be good, or are you like cautiously optimistic? Loki, honestly, was the one show that they announced in the initial batch that I wasn't excited for. I love Tom Hiddleston. Um, 
And I just wasn't excited because, like, my whole thing is this isn't the Loki we know, right? I mean, we saw Loki go through such a cool character arc over, like, post-Avengers even. And so now it's like he's technically the 2012 Loki. So will it still feel, like, worthwhile? Because it's not even really the same guy. So that's my only trepidation. But I will say, unlike the Falcon and Winter Soldier, these trailers for Loki are getting me super excited. Like, it looks really fun. I just have no clue what's going on in the trailers. I I was excited for the WandaVision trailers. I haven't really loved the Loki trailers so far, so I think I'm more cautiously optimistic. I just have no clue what to expect. Are you going in blind again, Keith? I was about to say, same thing as always. I have nice. not watched any trailers or read anything about it. I'm going to go in without watching or reading anything. So uh, Probably a good call. We'll see. I like it. We'll have to see. Uh, and with that, let's get into our main topic for today. After a tumultuous run with Warner Bros. and the DC Universe, Zack Snyder has moved to Netflix to bring us his new zombie heist movie, Army of the Dead. In a way, Snyder is back to his roots in the zombie genre. He launched his career with a successful remake of Dawn of the Dead in 2004, and has gone on to become a divisive filmmaker known for his impressive visuals, long run times, and poor character development. So how does a move to Netflix and complete creative control fare for Snyder with Army of the Dead? Well, that's what we are here to discuss today. Matthew and Keith, give me some general thoughts on Snyder as a filmmaker and your non-spoiler thoughts on Army of the Dead. Ooh. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. So just general thoughts on Snyder. I would say it's weird. He gets a lot of shit, but whenever you look back through his filmography, at least for me, I'm a pretty at least big fan or just I like, I guess you could say at the very least, a lot of his movies. I like 300 a lot. I like the Dawn of the Dead remake. I I think Sucker Punch is absolute trash, but it's fun trash. Um, what else has he done? The Guardians Watchmen. of Ghoul. Has anyone seen that? I haven't. Yeah, Watchmen. <laughs> you know what? Um, Watchmen's interesting. I think it's well made. It's kind of weird. I think the HBO show that came out later kind of made me look even more unfavorably on it. But like you said, Austin, he, um, I, I share the sentiment that a lot of people do. His visuals are unparalleled by most filmmakers i feel like he just knows his way around that but yeah typically his characters are a bit weak and he just kind of gets a bit lost in some of the stories sometime i think not in a good way he just i don't think he's the best writer and i don't know if he knows that or accepts that i kind of always wish that he would bring on more people to help him but uh well i guess we'll see because army of the dead to his newest film to go into that I liked it. I gotta say, non-spoiler thoughts, I really had a good time with this movie. I like that it felt more like a team dynamic. I thought the character development argument that people have wasn't as much of an issue here. Of course, I have some nitpicks, but overall, definitely a step forward for him. The visuals were fantastic. It was fun. It was gory. It was extremely satisfying to see these zombies and in action against this great cast and... Overall, I, you know what? I would say this is definitely worth a watch. I think Snyder did a great job with this one. The team did a great job. The cast did a great job. And uh, I think this is a step forward because this one felt different from a lot of Snyder movies for me in a good way. Nice. Yeah. I'm not as well versed as you guys are with Zack Snyder. Um, but from what I've seen of him, you know, I've always liked. I don't know. You can always point out, you know, the different flaws and nitpicks in all of his movies. But yeah, like you said, Matthew, he always has cool visuals and he always kind of has some cool framing and cutting to his movies that you really don't see with anybody else, which I always kind of liked. And you can definitely tell that, that that is his style. Yeah. As far as Army of the Dead, um, yeah, I liked it as well. Um, I thought it was a really cool zombie movie. I think zombie movies can be easily uh, screwed up 
you know, if you don't do it in the right way. And I think he did do this one in a pretty decent way. There were some flaws with this one that I'll definitely point out later to you guys. But um, my general thoughts are I enjoyed it overall. And I think it was going in a direction that I could, you know, follow. It just, uh, yeah. there was just some things that didn't go the way I was you know, hoping they would. But uh, overall, yeah. I enjoyed it. There's definitely just, I think there's some tonal issues without going into spoilers. And the characters are constantly doing really stupid things, which is fine sometimes. But then there's also just really nonsensical things happening. <laughs> like, I know it's a zombie movie, so I'm not saying it has to be realistic, but it's like, they say, like, without going into details, it's like, we only have nine minutes to get out of here. And then it's like a 20-minute action sequence. It's like, <laughs> huh, okay. This is kind of weird. So, But, again, it's fun. What did you think, Austin? Yeah, for me, with Snyder, um, I think I'm kind of with you, Matt. I like the majority of his films, but when they bomb, they bomb hard. So mm-hmm. he definitely has some stinkers out there. Um, his visuals always look great, with the exception of Army of the Dead, I think. I, I don't think Army of the Dead really looks good. Um, but just keeping on the Snyder thoughts, I would love, I would kill to see what a Zack Snyder shot and Aaron Sorkin wrote movie would look like, like, you know what I mean? Like he, I totally agree with you. He needs a better writing crew. He shouldn't write his movies. He should only focus on like the visuals and the cinematography. And I think if he would do that, like his career would fare way better. I just feel like he can't help himself sometimes. That's the issue. And you know, more power to him. He seems like a really cool guy in real life. And I love that he's a champion for film and he's a champion for his fans, which is really awesome. You don't get that a lot. But I agree with you. I think it's just he tries to take on too many responsibilities. The one thing I will say is I agree with you that the CGI was interestingly not great in this movie, but I did like that it was a lot more practical than a lot of his movies, like with the zombies, with the action scenes themselves. You could tell that it's actually they're shooting it in the camera, which was really nice. And that was going to be my caveat is, is going into Army of the Dead. Um, for the most part, I think I'm lower than the two of you are. I do think it's a fun movie, but I kind of think it's just OK. I don't think it looks great when it comes to the CGI. I'm not sure if that was like a COVID factor or something, but there's just a lot of weird shots that are like really blurred backgrounds. Yeah. And you can tell they're kind of just like trying to hide stuff. But the practical stuff looks great. The zombie action is really fun and really gory and kind of what you want from a zombie movie. I just think it it starts out super strong and then just kind of tapers off towards the end and really kind of loses what it was trying to do with the story. And there was like a big twist that I was always waiting for that I never got. So ultimately, by the time the credits rolled, I was like kind of let down a little bit. I still think it's fun and worth checking out, especially if you have Netflix. But overall, this one wasn't uh, the knockout I thought it was going to be from the trailers. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys about what you were wanting as far as the, uh, the the end of this movie. Oh. I think I think oh we might all God. three have different directions, or maybe not. Maybe we might all wanted to end up in the same place. Yeah, again, since I know we're about to go into spoilers, I'll just say it now. The ending of this movie sucks. I hated <laughs> it. And I really liked the movie, but I hated, hated the ending. <laughs> so if you're somebody out there that like, will only watch something that sticks the landing, <laughs> maybe don't watch this one. Well, if you're someone out there that just wants a fun zombie movie, I think we would all say check this one out. And with that, we are going to go ahead and move into the spoiler portion of this episode. So if you have not seen Army of the Dead, go ahead and give us a pause here, check it out, and then come on back to hear our thoughts. All right, Matt, why don't you run down a quick little plot summary for Army of the Dead? Yeah, we'll just keep it simple this time. So following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. 
All right, and Keith, can you run down the cast and crew for this movie? So like we said, this one is directed by Mr. Zack Snyder, also written by Zack Snyder, Shay Hetton, and Joby Harold. Movie score composed by Junkie XL. He's back. He's back. Weirdly doing the like BVS theme for like the whole movie, it felt like to me. <laughs> Do you guys also love I, I'm I'm a sucker for this bullshit, but Zack Snyder, I, I actually don't know the details behind it. Like I think it's just cheaper and it might be just like a, a fair use thing. But I love that every every song he puts in is a cover. <laughs> so yeah. like Dude, of course, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like they're good they're good covers, but it's just it is sometimes like, oh, it's another cover. <laughs> Missed opportunity though when he's doing that cover of the cranberries. He should have oh just done God. the Miley. Like the Miley Cyrus one is good if you're gonna do a cover. Like, oh yeah. Well, they have to save money, so they have to have just someone else do it. <laughs> I was gonna say that one, but there was another song by Viva the, uh... Las Vegas. Yeah, there's Elvis, <laughs> but there was also a Door song. Uh... There was a Door song. Keith. When people are strange. This is the end. My only friend. Is that like that's got to be a Zack Snyder like trope by now, right? Like opening a movie with an it acoustic is. version of a famous song. Yep. Yeah, for sure. All right, going into our cast, we got Mr. Dave Bautista as Scott Ward, Ella Purnell as Kate Ward, Omari Hardwick as Vanderhoe, Ana de Lagrera as Maria Cruz, Matthias Schweigoffer as Dieter. Nora Arnazetter as Lily the Coyote, Garrett Dillahunt as Martin, with Hiroyuki Sonata as Tanaka, and Tig Notaro as Marion Peters. All right, guys, there's the cast and crew. Any highlights, any negatives, what you got? All right, let's address it at the top. Tig Notaro. I know she yeah. had to be CGI'd in. Does she look good to you guys, or does she look out of place? Not regarding the performance, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. the fact that she's in the movie. How does she look to you guys? Because to me, like, every scene she's in looks so weird when she's, like, with the other cast. So I was going to bring this up later in Production Nightmares, but but now that we're bringing it up, Keith, do you know what Austin's referring to? Oh, yes. I do know what you're referring to. Yeah. So Chris D'Elia was supposed to be mm-hmm. that character. Yes. He was taken out for all the shit that happened with him or whatever, I guess. And she was CGI'd in? I didn't know that. They couldn't reshoot because of COVID. So Tignataro is like joked about it. Tignataro has never met the cast because of COVID. Because when it came time to do these last minute reshoots, COVID was already happening. So they had to do like, she could only shoot with one person at a time. So it was just like all of her scenes, she's only talking to one person. And then some of them where they couldn't do that when it's in like big groups, they did, like Austin said, have to CGI her in. And yeah, I mean, again, I thought the performance was great. I love Tignataro. Her delivery is just so funny to me how dry it is. And I, it's, she's great. But um, yeah, there, there are some scenes where if you know that going in, that you will be like, why is she never on screen with anybody? <laughs> so yeah. it, is a bit, it is a bit distracting sometimes. Yeah, but like you said, Matt, I really do actually really like all of Tignataro's lines. I hope if they do like a prequel or something, if, if they bring her back, like I hope then she can actually be with the rest of the cast because I think it would be even better. But yeah, she's really funny. Dave Bautista, I was really worried about him being the lead, and he really surprised me. I thought he did a great job in this role. Um, and then Ella, Ella Purnell as Kate Ward, too. I thought her and, and Dave Bautista's scenes were all really good. Yeah, Dave Bautista was awesome. Uh, I, lo- I always liked him in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty sure that's the only thing I've really seen him in besides um, uh, Spectre. Oh, yeah. His defining role, Spectre. Yeah. Yeah. He, had one, he had one line in that that they dubbed his voice. It wasn't even him. It's whenever he gets killed and goes, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I've enjoyed him in this movie a lot. Yeah, I really think, uh, yeah, he can carry he can carry a role, and he definitely carried a, an action film like this, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I always like uh, Ana de Lagrera. She is a good actress, so I did enjoy her performance as well. And uh, and everybody else did a pretty good job, too, especially uh, Matthias. Matthias Schweighoffer as Dieter and uh, Omari Hardwick as Vanderhoe. I thought they were pretty cool together. Yeah, I think the cast is great. I think the crew did a good job as well. Again, Zack Snyder, he just knows how to direct. He did a good job as the cinematographer as well for the most part. The writing here and there, a bit iffy, but whatever. I, when it comes to the cast, I agree with you guys. Dave Batista is somebody that he was the whole like John Cena or the rock trajectory with being a wrestler, then coming into film. And whenever he was in Guardians, I was like, wow, maybe this, this guy actually knows what he's doing. But then whenever he's been in stuff like Blade Runner 2049 and this movie, it's like, damn, this guy actually has range. Like, he's a good actor. Yeah, I was going to say, he's like John Cena and The Rock, except he can act. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's a way better actor than the two of them. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I agree, too. Yeah. And I'm excited to see stuff like Knives Out 2, where he hopefully will get a chance to be a bit more serious or it's still kind of goofy, but just to show off that range again. As for the rest of the cast, I agree with what Keith said. I think everybody really turned in a great performance here. They did a good job. I think my favorite, the one that gave me the most constant laughs and just, I really just love the character and it made me so sad when they died was Matthias Schweikoffer. I, th- I thought he was great as a safe cracker. I really love that character. So funny. And like Keith said as well, the Omari Hardwick pairing with them together was especially good, I thought. I wanted more of it though. There's not enough of it. Like the Dieter character is so fun. I'm glad they called him out, but I kind of wish they had way more scenes because they really nailed it with those two characters. And Snyder isn't known for his comedy and I think there's a lot of things he tries to do to be funny in this movie that doesn't hit, but these two characters paired together worked really well, I thought. 100%. Sure. All right, so that's our cast breakdown. Matt, do you have any production nightmares or fun facts for Army of the Dead? All right, so the big one we already talked about, Tignataro's involvement in the movie. So Chris D'Elia initially played the part, shot all the scenes with the entire cast, but after his sexual misconduct and underage grooming allegations, he was cut from the film in a weird way, because obviously they stole the scenes. But uh, Snyder recruited Tignataro, and she did all her scenes with an acting partner and never reshot with the actual cast because of COVID-19 restrictions. She was also digitally inserted in some of the scenes they couldn't reshoot. Yeah, we kind of mentioned it, but her not being on set with everybody, I think, really lended to just like kind of an awkward feeling when they're saying their lines off of each other. Because it's really clear in a lot of their scenes that like, obviously, they were all the rest of the cast was acting off of somebody else when they were doing their lines. So like, there's just little things where like, in some scenes, like they're talking to they're supposed to be talking to Tignataro, but they're like eyes are looking the wrong way because they like yeah. couldn't position her in the right moment. So it just I really love Tignataro in the movie. But man, it was so hard to like not look past like while the movie was playing out. And honestly, it's a, it's a shout out to her because she's great in the movie. She's so funny. She's so good. And the fact that she was able to do that, like with one acting partner instead of a team is just a testament to her talent. I just want to make sure that's clear because it's yeah. not her fault. It's just, I agree with you. It is distracting that every single time she's talking with somebody, the camera's on her and then the other person, you only see like their shoulder basically because they're not there. So yeah, it, it is a bit goofy. And then she just shows up in some scenes too. It's like, oh, there's Tignataro in the back with a gun <laughs> pointed somewhere. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess it is kind of a credit to Zack Snyder too. Cause like, it's kind of amazing that it, it only looks like like mildly bad like it should look really bad and it actually like i think it's only jarring if you know that she was like cgi'd in because then you're looking for it i think if you didn't know then like you probably don't notice it as much and that's where i come in because i didn't know she was cgi'd in so it really didn't look all that bad to me because i wasn't looking for it like you said 
I knew that she had replaced Crystalia, but for some reason I didn't I didn't read anything about it, so I didn't know. So I just I just assumed that they just did reshoots or something like that. I was also curious if um and this is one of those things it's like it's like Ben Affleck talking about Batman like years later and stuff. It's like I wonder if Zack Snyder or Tignataro will talk about it whenever it's not as fresh, but I'm curious if they change the story at all. Because whenever I was watching, I was like, they really lucked out that that character is basically on the roof the whole time by themselves, you know, like with the helicopter. Yeah. I was I was wondering, I wonder if that character was meant to be in the action more so before that, but maybe we'll never know. And she also clearly has a history with Scott and Maria, so I wonder if there was more of kind of that yeah, background too. that's a good point. Yeah, there must have been, because like they were friends, clearly. I have a feeling that there was probably more to that story, because if you, I don't really listen to Crystalia's podcast at all really but I have listened to it in the past every now and then and I remember him specifically talking about action movies and him being in this movie and I'm pretty yeah. sure he kind of mentioned him like having a lot of gunfights and all that kind of shit so I, oh, I feel okay. like there probably was more to his story maybe not a lot more but maybe like maybe one or two scenes more of him maybe shooting the shit at some zombies alright um, so here's the craziest thing you could find I had no clue about this this project has been in development for over a decade. It was first announced by Snyder back in 2007. Apparently, he came up with the idea while working on his 2003 debut, The Dawn of the Dead remake. Netflix actually acquired it back in 2019 since the film had been in development hell for so long. So I thought that was pretty cool. I had no clue that this was such a long-term project. I always thought he wrote this movie as like a healing process after his daughter died. That's what I thought it was. Maybe that's what it became. Like once Netflix acquired it and they had to start working on it again. But yeah, the idea, at least for the film, had been around for, I, I mean, since 2007. So pretty crazy. Yeah, that's insane. I wonder I wonder how it's changed over the years, like with that with that much time. Of, like, I'd be really curious to see like what it looked like back in 2007. Yeah, because so much zombie movies and yeah, all this shit has come out since then, like The Walking Dead made its debut in what, 2010 Later, or 2011? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so... A lot of stuff's coming out between then, so I wonder, yeah, how that changed things. And I think I had, I actually had forgotten too, but like Snyder is the one that really put like fast zombies in the mainstream. Like before the 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead, I don't know if you guys remember, but the remake of Dawn of the Dead is fast zombies, and that was like a really big deal at the time because no one had they had always been the slow zombies. So I'm just I'm just curious what like this movie looks like back in 2007 with like fast zombies still kind of being fresh to the scene. I was going to say like he definitely popularized it, but it, regardless, it's a testament to like that work because it was so new. But the year earlier was the movie one of, you know, a zombie movie that we all like was uh, 28 Days Later, which came out in 2002, which uh, Danny Boyle. So that's kind of the fast zombies as well. So it was very new and it still yeah. feels new to me because it, it feels so different from everything else. So definitely cool. All right, so the rest of what I got is just some quick hits here. So Snyder, like we mentioned, not only directed like he normally does, but he actually served the cinematographer as well. So he was responsible for shooting the film. Another interesting one was the crew wasn't allowed on the Vegas rooftops, so they weren't able to scan kind of the city from that angle. So what they did is they used helicopter footage, and then the VFX team was actually able to create an accurate 3D model of the city, despite the fact that they shot the, almost the whole thing in Atlantic City in New Jersey. And see, the, the like CGI shots of the city is what I think looks the worst in the movie. I agree. It's cool that it's accurate. It's just a fun thing. But yeah, I agree that those shots were... Uh, yeah, they didn't look so good. Uh, another fun thing, one of the Carol Baskin tigers from Tiger King was used as the basis for the zombie tiger in terms of how it looked. 
So I guess you can thank Carol Baskin. Her husband, dead underground, is also thanking Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> uh, one that's uh, just come out kind of recently is Dave Batista confirmed that he turned down a main role in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad in order to play the lead in this film. He was very excited about the idea of working with Netflix and Zack Snyder and getting to play the lead in the movie because he actually got paid way more than he would have for The Suicide Squad. And I guess it might be you know working out because Netflix owns Knives Out now. And he's in the sequel. So I guess his relationship and that choice pained out. And to add on to that, I don't know if you guys have seen that he's given some interviews saying how like people were like, what's it like working with James Gunn versus Zack Snyder? And he's been like, well, James Gunn is way more controlling and, and Zack Snyder like just kind of lets you run with it and really encourages the improv. He said that he like loves James Gunn, but it sounds like he kind of had more fun with this movie than he has had with Guardians. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. That is I interesting. would bet money. I would bet money. You will see him in another Zack Snyder project uh, based on how he's talking about him. We'll see him somewhere else. Um, and finally, just a fun one, Matthias Schweikoffer had tons of funny quotes out there about the movie. The best was in response to the fact that he wasn't allowed to gain weight while shooting. So he lived vicariously through Omari Hardwick, who was gaining muscle constantly throughout. He said, I was watching Omari Hardwick every morning and every night in the gym. I wasn't allowed to gain weight like he did. So that was my preparation, watching my friend Omari every day in the gym and telling him, congrats, you did great. Wow. Look at these muscles. Look at these guns. <laughs> <laughs> So he had some good quotes. All right. Cool stuff there, Matthew. All right, Austin, bring us into the critical reception. What did people think about this movie? Okay. So at the time of this recording, uh, the film has raked in $780,000 at the box office. Uh, while that seems small, it's worth noting, though, that this movie's success isn't really going to be judged by box office performance. Netflix is really using the theaters as a promotional opportunity to drive buzz before it was released uh, and kind of drive hype and get people to want to check it out on their streaming service. The film itself currently has a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes and has received mixed to average reviews by critics. Uh, starting with Roger Ebert, uh, their website gave the film two and a half stars stating that the zombie action is fun and well executed, but the themes are muddled and the film has thin characters. They also felt that Snyder blended the heist in zombie genres well, but there could have been more from the heist side of things, stating, quote, It seems sometimes like the plot in Army of the Dead is merely a skeleton on which to hang the action scenes instead of something inherently clever on its own. I kept waiting for a twist or a surprise that never really came. I, I kind of agree with that. The, the only thing that I would disagree is I think that characters are slightly more than thin, not too much, but I do think there is a bit more to the characters than that. But other other than that, I do agree. I mean, they blended the genres well. I was still like, oh, I wish we could have gotten a little more cool high stuff, but I still enjoyed it. So, I mean, I guess I don't fully disagree with that. Yeah, I think I'll second that with you. I don't think the characters are totally not there or invisible, but there could be more to them or more development for sure. So Variety was a bit more positive on the film, stating, quote, if you go to see just one movie this year, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead might be the ticket, not because it's the best movie you'll see in 2021 or maybe even this week, but because it's a stylishly grandiose, muscular, but conventional popcorn pageant that's got something for just about everyone, end quote. They went on to praise the cast, fun characters, visuals, and over-the-top action. Variety seemed to really love the opening of the film and the fact that it takes place in, a, in the confined city of Vegas. As for some negatives, they felt that the film was too long and that there wasn't anything original in the story. Uh, they said the film borrows elements from other media like the Oceans franchise, Dawn of the Dead, World War Z, and tries to mash them together into one story. <laughs> the Oceans franchise. Yeah, I mean, That's a I little guess. bit of a stretch there. I guess because there's <laughs> literally just a heist in it, but... And because it's in Vegas? I guess. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. For the Oceans franchise, they meant the whole, like, rounding up the team of experts okay, and all that yeah, sort of that, stuff. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, again, I I kind of agree. I just I had a good time with it. I think it does blend everything well, like you just mentioned there. Um, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but for me, there was original stuff in the movie. There was stuff in this movie that I hadn't seen before from the zombie genre. But I have not seen everything, obviously. In fact, I probably haven't really even seen all that much. But there was some surprises for me. I was like, whoa, wow, I haven't seen zombies do that or that was interesting and intriguing. So maybe for other people, it won't be as cool or interesting. But for me, there was some stuff that actually worked with that. For me, the only like original stuff really lies in like that alpha stuff being in control and, and kind of being like a little bit more thinking than your average zombie. Well, that idea is cool. I don't think what the alphas do in the movie is very cool. So, like, that's original, but it wasn't very exciting for me in the film. Yeah, I agree with that. The alpha itself wasn't particularly interesting, but the the original, as they called it, like the male original that we saw in the opening of the movie that started, I guess, was responsible for turning people. There was some stuff going on with that zombie that I was very intrigued by in terms of emotion and just reaction to things and action itself. So we'll definitely have to break that down in a little bit. Yeah, I would say there's some original stuff to this. Um, and one being, and they may may have done this before, correct me if I'm wrong. It's very rare you see in a zombie flick that it's confined to one city. Uh, most of the time in zombie worlds, it's mostly either nationwide or worldwide. So... Yeah, I think that's something originally you see in this one. Okay, and lastly here, uh, The Hollywood Reporter, they were overwhelmingly positive on the film. Uh, They praised a screenplay, stating that Snyder found a nice balance between action and character-driven moments. They also praised Snyder's cinematography, noting that the film is lighter in both tone and color palettes from Zack's previous films. They didn't really have any negatives in the review and closed by stating, quote, there's no shortage of excitement, surprise, jokey camaraderie, sorrowful losses, satisfying comeuppances, twists and turns to fill the generous running time with plenty of variation in the bloody encounters. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I think that's why I enjoyed it so much is because it felt so different from like a previous Snyder movie. It had an actual balance between the crazy fun action and the characters I really liked. Again, I wanted more from some of them, that we'll, which we'll get into later. But I still thought the foundation and the performances were really great. And we got more of it than we usually do. So I think that's probably the review I agree with the most here. Yeah, I'll go ahead and second that for sure. I think I'm kind of in between the the Roger Ebert and Variety reviews because I'm a little lower on the film. Um, but overall, I still think it's fun. And those are kind of the biggest praises from those reviews. Um, so that's our critical reception this week, everybody. If you want to read any of those reviews, we'll link them in the description. And with that, let's get into our roundtable discussion. All right, guys, so let's kick off the roundtable. And I just kind of want to start things off today by just really discussing what type of zombie people we are. So what do you guys look for from a good zombie movie? Are you guys slow zombies people? Are you fast zombie people? And what are some of your favorite zombie medias that you've consumed? I don't know if I really have a specific zombie that I like. I kind of like all the different interpretations of zombies that people bring to the table. Um, As far as any media I've consumed, I mean, I've seen them, basically all of them. I really like Zombieland. To be honest, and I like Walking Dead too. I like Walking. I like Walking Dead, and I like the slow walker. I like the whole drama between all the characters and how it's a lot of a lot of it's more of a conflict between the humans than it is really the zombies. The zombies are more of just in the background. It's gone on way too long. But uh, <laughs> what I'm what I'm thinking about as far as Walking Dead goes, I'm thinking of the height of the Walking Dead. You know, seasons one through like five. And as far as Zombieland. Zombieland brought more of comedy to the table when it comes to zombie movies, and it brought the fast zombies in too. These zombies can run in Zombieland. 
So yeah, I just kind of like anything when it comes to zombies. It's always kind of fun to see what different kind of uh, mutations they have. For me, I guess it, maybe it's a cop-out answer. I don't really give a shit about the zombies in the media, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't really care if they're slow or fast. I think there's been great examples of both. I think they can both be equally intimidating. I just care about good stories and really interesting characters and some element of fun or levity in those kind of stories. As long as I get that, then I'm down for whatever. I mean, my favorites are definitely, Keith mentioned both of them, but 28 Days Later is definitely a highlight for me. And then the first two and a half seasons of The Walking Dead is just pitch perfect television, in my opinion. Uh, for people that need context, because like Keith said, the show's gone on so long, it's hard to remember. The first two and a half seasons is like, of course, the origins of it. Season two is the farm. And then the first half of season three was the prison. And I know some people are like, really, that's what you like the most? But that's kind of what I mean. It's like, I prefer the character development and interactions in these crazy worlds. So I was one of those people that loved season two for only being on the farm the whole time because of like the crazy stuff that these characters evolved into because of the world. I didn't care that they weren't traveling in their country or whatever. So that's kind of me. I'm more into that element of these movies and media. And the first like six episode mini season of The Walking Dead is just like Pete zombie content. It's so good. Yeah. So good. For me, I'm a slow zombie guy. I don't hate fast zombies, but they, it just seems weird to me. Like slow zombies is just like what I know and what I really enjoy. Um, I think the saving grace of Army of the Dead is it's a mix of both. Yep. So that, that really did kind of work for me. Um, some of my favorite zombie stuff, though, like you guys have said, is 28 Days Later. Um, I love The Last of Us games. I, I do really love Zack Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead. World War Z, I don't love the movie, but I am just, it's one of my favorite books. I think that yeah. book is so fantastic. And anybody that's a fan of zombies should definitely uh, go read that one as well. Um, so with, with kind of all that zombie talk, what did you guys think of the actual Army of the Dead zombies specifically? How did, how did their dynamics work for you in this movie? I think you already nailed it, Austin. I think that's the cool thing about this movie is it gives you all of them. And it's not even just like this weird mishmash. There's actually kind of a cool reason for it. So we have the original zombie, if you want to call them that, that we see in the opening montage of the movie. It's like this weird Area 51 type experiment that gets loose and starts biting people, which creates the alphas. But then when the alphas bite people, they become the slow, more typical zombies. But the alphas in original are super fast, kind of like the 28 Days Later fast zombie, just thing we expect. So I thought it was cool that there was like a reasoning for it. And I, I think one of the coolest things about the movie is that whole zombie hierarchy. What do you guys think? As far as the whole alpha thing, though, you can probably compare it more closely to I Am Legend with Will I was going to say, you stole my thunder, uh, Keith. I oh, was going to say I Am Legend, yeah. But no, keep That's going, keep point. going. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you know how there's a there's a, kind of an alpha zombie in that one who's kind of the, the head leader of all the the infected people in the in the, in the the dark building there? But yeah, it's kind of where, if you're going to compare the alpha thing to anything, I would compare it to I Am Legend. I didn't even think about that. For me, like I kind of said, it, it did work for me having both. I did kind of want more of the Shamblers. We only get that one sequence of them when they're like first infiltrating the casino. Um, and then they're kind of like kind of thrown to the side a little bit once the alphas start attacking. Yeah. I guess for me, I was just expecting more from the alpha subplot. We learned that the outbreak originated from the military and this original can create the fast alphas. And then there is this like kind of weird king and queen dynamic between the original zombie. And but we never we never really get any more from it other than the fact that they can just move fast and are stronger than the Shamblers. Like some of the critics stated, I was always waiting for the twist of like what was happening with the alpha or like why they were kind of more sentient, if you will. And and we never got like an exciting payoff, I felt, from the alphas. Yeah, 
I think that's a pretty good point. I think the most, it's weird to say, but the most interesting zombies here are our typical slow ones because we, because we get some just really fun scenes out of it. Like whenever Omari Hardwick are using uh, the slow zombies to basically get rid of the traps in front of the vault yeah. and stuff. It's like, that's cool. That's fun. And that's a very Dawn of the Dead scene, yeah. too. Like, it's very reminiscent of when they're, like, on the roof sniping, like, the celebrity lookalike zombies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so those are interesting and they're fun. They're designed super well. And then the original zombie is just very fascinating to me. But I agree, in the middle there, we have the alphas, which isn't as interesting. There's just no payoff, like you said. But with the original, I was just so blown away. And again, it's probably, like I mentioned earlier, it's probably because I don't consume a lot of zombie media. But the fact that this OG zombie could display emotions could impregnate other zombies despite being dead. I mean, we see him the, early. It's funny because early in the movie, whenever he puts his um ear to the chest of uh, the alpha, I was like, is this some like what if it was pregnant? That would be fun. That'd be stupid. Right. But then when that happens later, it's like, oh, my God, that was the case. And then he cries like I was like, wow, this is really interesting to me. And it kind of like made it more of a fun fight at the end. But I agree with you, Austin, that like, where it gets lost in the middle is the alpha, who are literally the middle kind of hierarchy, and there's just no payoff to it. Well, and they even set it up like the coyote girl is like, they think this is a prison, but in reality, we're in their kingdom. To me, like all that, those like little hints were like, oh, there's there's something else coming here. Like something is going to pay off here. And then it ultimately never does. It just leads to it being a harder zombie to kill. Like that's kind of really all it amounts to at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and Garrett Dillahunt's character, Martin, who's the right hand man of uh, Tanaka, he takes the head, but of course, with how the characters kind of fuck each other over, that doesn't go anywhere either. So it's like, they say that the head of the Alpha will be used to create a zombie army that we can control, but they never get it out, so we don't see how that plays into it. They just say it. So it's not like that cool or fascinating. And we never get more Tanaka either. Like, they show oh, him with dude. the military generals, and then that never goes anywhere either. We're going to get to the end of the movie where I'm baffled at how that was not wrapped up (laughs) i just don't get it this might be really weird because if you guys didn't catch this i'm gonna sound crazy but i just want to know if you guys are with me on this and this might go all the way back to what austin said at the beginning that there were some visual elements to the gunplay that made things a bit blurry and a bit weird but i think everybody saw there were some zombies that just had blue eyes for some reason right you saw that yeah and there were also some that when their heads got shot it looked metal okay so this is my thing So there was one shot specifically when uh, Guzman dies. I think he shoots one in the head and it clearly died, but the skin comes off and I was convinced it looked like a cyborg. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I was like, okay, is there like some weird element here that ties in with the Tanaka plot of like manufactured zombies? And then I was thinking, well, that wouldn't make sense. Why would they be in Vegas? Because Vegas was the outbreak. So they would have to literally drop them here. And then I was like, well, maybe because the the stillbirth that the original pulls out is blue before it turns into the normal color. I was like, OK, so maybe everybody that he impregnates or like the baby itself is a cyborg. Like, that doesn't make sense. And so it was just one of those weird things. Maybe it's how they shot it. But I'm with you, Austin. Like when I saw that metal face, I was like, what the hell is with that? Is that is there a story beat here? And it was never addressed. I was thinking like, oh, maybe they evolved to where the headshots don't work anymore. Oh, that would be interesting. Well, I was going to say, yeah, if you want to dive into like a conspiracy part of it, do you think it may have been like 
military dropping like drones in here, pretending to be zombies to kind of like keep an outlook. Oh, that's a really good theory, Keith. Actually, that's a really good theory. Just like dropping in fake zombies that are really just like cameras, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Cameras just kind of watch these things and see how they uh, interact. Or even just say, even just like have Martin stick around a bit longer and then have the other characters like interrogate him. And you find out Tanaka is has been dropping these in to kind of plan out his heist, if that makes sense, to like control them to somehow get the blueprints and map everything out. But what it turns out to be is just one of them gets shot. Austin, I saw that's clearly a metal head. And then they just never do anything with it. So I don't know. To kind of go along with our previous question of like what we look for in a zombie movie. So what did you guys think of the the action as far as the humans killing the zombies? I mean, were you guys cool with like the exploding heads and blood spewing everywhere and kind of like had that kind of Tarantino kind of vibe to it as far as just blood going everywhere? Or would you guys would have rather it been a little bit like softer, kind of like Walking Dead where you don't see as much blood? but you still see like biting and all that kind of stuff. No, I, I think with zombie movies, the more gore, the better. I think the zombie movie is like the perfect place to go over the top with your gore and violence. Um, as for just the action, I think the opening like 15 minute, like just exposition of like what happened with the outbreak. I think that was really fun and probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, just like kind of introducing all of our characters and how they were like pulling survivors out of the city and stuff like that. All of those scenes I thought were so cool. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the action was super fun. There was a good balance like we already talked about. But when it came to the gore elements, I liked that, you know, they went R rated. They didn't hold back like there was some really interesting elements to that when it came to how they used blood and just everything else. I mean, we literally see a character try and fight a tiger and then we see what would really happen to that person. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was crazy. Even just the choreography. I mean, Whenever shit gets crazy near the end, watching Dave Batista in a knife fight against a fast zombie is just badass. And then watching him pick up and throw people and watching how they actually make gunfights, which can be pretty boring sometimes in movies, really fun and engaging was one of my favorite parts of the movie for sure. And watching um, Guzman's girlfriend when she gets stuck in the room with the Shamblers, that scene yeah. is sweet. Wow, that was a highlight. Especially because they're the slow zombies, too. So that's like my jam. So I was totally into the way she was like turning a zombie to shoot through two at once because she had like very limited ammo. And she's like having to stealthily knife some of them and, and try not to alert the other ones. Like all that I thought was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. She was basically using a knife to kill one, but leave the knife in. So it's a shield against the zombies on that side and then shooting at the ones on the other side. It was like, that's really cool. And then whenever you think things are done for her, watching her dive out of that window is like, oh, this is so good. Um, <laughs> again, why didn't she yell, hey, best friend that brought me here. Don't trust that guy. Don't trust Garrett Dillahunt. Instead, she yeah. just goes, run. It's like, no, say that it was his fault. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking this, it was like, yeah, he fucked me over. He killed me. <laughs> he no, literally like, killed oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that was kind of missing for me in the action, I was really hoping for some more chainsaw or saw action from Vanderhoe. Oh, okay. It kind of foreshadowed that he was going to like use that saw more and like just cut the shit out of some zombies. We never really got any more of that. I think we only got it actually. I mean, we get it in doing other things, but we only, you're right. When it came to killing zombies, only in the opening montage. So what did you guys think about it being the zombie outbreak being contained in Las Vegas. Did you like that it was just contained in one city? Would you have rather it have been nationwide or worldwide? 
I actually kind of liked how this one kind of takes place after the, the zombie war, essentially. Like the way I saw the Hollywood Reporter phrase it is like, the zombies lost the war and got contained to the city. And so I thought that was cool because we do kind of get like very minor political elements. What do we do with this city now that like we have this zombie outbreak city, but the rest of the world's fine. So I thought that stuff was kind of interesting. And then also just like living in, in our real world now with COVID and stuff, like having the quarantine camps and stuff like that added some pretty interesting elements too, I thought. Yeah, I, I didn't understand why the quarantine zone was literally like three feet away from a city. <laughs> like literally was seeing uh, the coyotes doorway into the city was like, Somebody could get through that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And again, they did set up. It's like, well, there is this like trade element with the zombies. Like they they have no interest in leaving the city. So I I understood, but it still was a bit goofy. Ultimately, I agree with you. I, I really liked that it was confined to just one city. It felt more like this isolated incidents. And it was cool that the opening montage basically gave us the action of our main characters, their work to isolate it. Whenever they're closing, they're dropping these crates to create the walls. It was like, oh, wow, that's actually pretty cool. I haven't seen something like that before. So it was cool. I, I just, I mean, there's no real rhyme reason to why I feel that way. I just thought it was a bit different. Like you said at the top, Keith, it's like, normally it's more, they're all over the place. But here it was interesting knowing, well, the rest of the world seemingly is safe for now. Maybe the ending teases a different outcome, but I like that it was different. It was just a small scale thing. So it worked for me. I mean, Keith, your biggest complaint, I think, consistently throughout this podcast is the fact that every movie has to be world ending stakes. So I'm sure you love the local suburban zombie movie. That is true. I have complained a lot about how everything has always saved the entire world. So, yeah, I did enjoy that this was more local to Vegas and uh, more contained there. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind a sequel to where, you know, if something were to happen and like an outbreak spread, I would be okay with that as well. Uh, I just it just has to make sense. So let's break down something that Snyder has been called out for a lot in the past: lack of character development. Martha, <laughs> Martha, why'd you say that name? Um, did a de- I thought the movie did a decent job of giving the characters room to grow. I liked some of the relationships that developed as well with Scott and his daughter, Vanderho and Dieter, just to name a couple. My only issue was I thought that while Snyder did a better job than usual of like setting up and bringing together and developing the characters, I think having every single character die or turn besides Kate came at the cost of what they were kind of growing in the process. Like for me, it was super jarring when Scott and Maria hint at a romantic past and then it's like, okay, we're going to team up and find my daughter. That was pretty interesting and I was totally down for it and I wanted more. But then she's immediately killed in that scene. So, I mean, what did you guys think? Because I kind of felt like that Snyder sacrificed some of these cool character arcs in order to just kill them in his typical action-y fashion. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Like I kind of said with Vanderhoe and Dieter, like I love their dynamic. Dieter gets killed off too quickly and Vanderhoe gets stuck in the safe right as their relationship is kind of getting really fun, like when they're becoming friends. Guzman's girlfriend, who he literally shows up with her and says, this is my crew, they're on my dime. Like, you immediately know they're going to die, even though she's a badass. Like, I wanted more scenes from her. So, yeah, everybody literally just serves as, like, fodder for the zombies to chew on. And like you said, Matt, as soon as their relationships are really starting to get interesting and we're starting to learn more about their characters, they all kind of unceremoniously die. And then we're just left with Dave Bautista and Ellen Purnell. And like what you said, that whenever Maria and Scott are like, all right, we got to go get Kate. She went to the Olympus Hotel. I was really 
excited because I thought we were about to get some cool scenes of the two of them having to like work their way through the city because we don't see a whole lot of Vegas actually yeah. in the movie. It's two buildings. Um, so I thought we were about to get like street by street trying to make it to the Olympus Hotel and then Maria dies immediately and Dave Bautista gets on the helicopter and just flies over to the Olympus. All of that stuff that was really interesting just gets wrapped up too quickly, I thought. Yeah, and my issue isn't even that they all died. I mean, that's fine if that's what you're going for. It's just that it's a two and a half hour movie that I thought for the most part was paced pretty well, but everybody except, I think, Theo Rossi's character, the abusive um, cop, nobody else dies until the last like 50 minutes, if I if I remember that right from whenever I paused it. So it's like, it just all happens at once. And I'd be fine with that too, but it's like, if you're going to have this romantic angle, set that up in their initial conversations or whatever. Have like these characters develop a bit quicker if you're going to do that at the end. Because I agree with you guys. It's like it all happens at once. Like Diener and Vanderhoe become friends. And then uh, Scott and Maria are like, well, maybe we'll make it work. And then they immediately both die. So it's just like, Ugh, OK, it feels kind of like a cop out in a weird way. Especially with Maria, man. That was. Yeah. It was a very awkward death i mean they were just talking and then maybe that's what he wanted was to be unexpected but the the zombie dude just comes out of nowhere and just snaps her neck the death was awkward but the way it actually plays out was like holy shit her spine is like (laughs) twisted out of her neck yeah god i mean it's great the execute the execution is fantastic but only in a vacuum which is the problem it's like whenever we said she immediately dies it's not even joking like literally three seconds before that it's like what about our past? Can we make it work? And like Dave Bautista's like almost in tears. Like I thought I fucked that up a long time ago. And it's like, no, we still have a chance. Let's go find your daughter. And then immediately the elevator opens and she's dead. It's like, <laughs> oh, so yeah, I think he, I think they sacrificed a little bit of the characters in order just to have like unexpected action, which was unfortunate because there were so many characters. So it's not like you have to do that for all of them, but you know, they, they kind of just killed them all. So whatever. One of the biggest flaws for me, and I laugh when I say this because I was I was laughing a lot whenever it was going on, uh, was with the nuclear bomb countdown. So it was cool whenever they found out that the the nuke blast was going to happen a day earlier than it was supposed yeah, to. Yeah, that was cool. That's that's cool. And it was like, oh shit, we gotta get, we gotta do this like twenty four hours sooner than we were gonna do. That's fine. So <laughs> the thing that was funny and it just sucked. Every time they asked uh, Scott, Dave Bautista's character, how much time do we have? He was like, we got 90 minutes. I was like, 90 minutes? I thought you had like a day and a half to do this thing. <laughs> and then they would do like an hour or two worth of shit. And then they'd be like, how much time do we have? 20 minutes. I was like, 20 minutes till a nuke hits? You, to be, you, know, how much, you know how big a nuke is? Yeah. It was bizarre. Yeah, so it was taking way longer to do any of the stuff they were doing than any of those time jumps were. It was so unrealistic and... Just so dumb to me. I don't know if that's nitpicky or not, but yeah, it just bothered the shit out of me. What do you guys think about that? Well, that's the thinky that's not nitpicky because the characters are constantly saying how much time is left, and then they're constantly defying that. I mean, there's no joke. There's a moment when they go, okay, it's right after we have 90 minutes, but we can't tell Dieter because he's trying to crack the safe and he needs to be focused. And it's like, how long will it take you? And he's like, 30 minutes. It's like, okay, we'll make it work. We'll have an hour whenever he's done cut to whenever Dieter's done and then they're literally getting the money out and Dave Batista goes we got 20 minutes before this place is dust and I was like did Dieter just like fuck up like what happened <laughs> why did it take him twice as long and then the best the best part is whenever they get to the other hotel it's like 
I got nine minutes. Don't leave me. So, okay. Dave Batista ran. He, he found his daughter in this huge hotel, got out. They flew away, fought a zombie and got out of the blast radius in nine minutes. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> so, it's just it's not a nitpick because they constantly are saying how much time is left. So it makes you, the viewer, go. This is taking way too long. <laughs> the idea of, hey, Vegas is a zombie city. We're going to nuke it to kill the outbreak. That's really cool. Because this isn't a time movie like Tenet or like Inception in some aspects, if you're going to constantly keep calling out time and checking time, like that's really going to take the viewer out of it if it's not like a central plot of the movie. And so just like you yeah. guys are saying, they're saying nine minutes and they're clearly doing things that are taking longer than nine minutes. So it's just going to feel jarring. I do like the idea of like, hey, we need to get in and get out before the nuke drops. Like that's a cool aspect because this is like our last chance to get all this money. I think the biggest issue is just like the time constraints they were calling out made no sense. It should have just been like, we got three hours and then we don't check in again until like things are really going down. I just think you can't call out like single digit time frames in these movies. He ran through an entire hotel in <laughs> nine minutes. Tig Nicaro came in and said, hey, Zach, I came up with a great line. I improvised it. In the time it took me to flew away, I grew a conscious. Do you like that, Zach? <laughs> what the fuck was that I'm a stand-up comic. Do you like that, Zach? I'm funny. <laughs> that scene was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Whenever, so what, is she just like, <laughs> like levitating just out of view under them and then just flies up? Ugh. And more power to her. Like, they had nine minutes. She should get the fuck out of there. So I don't know what was happening at the end of this movie. What if she would have, like, wouldn't have come back when he said, she left us, and then the nuke just hit, and they all died, and that was the end of the movie? I honestly kind of would have been fine with that. I was rooting for Tignataro the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> too. But that's the thing, Keith. That's the thing. I mean, we're joking, but that's a basically what happened. And what I mean is, every single character died. So it's like, does it matter that they got out? Same thing with the Coyote character. Whenever she weirdly sacrifices herself, even though she's going to kill the alpha anyway. So she gets like stabbed at the thing and then drops it. So it's like, why the fuck did you just not get on the chopper anyway? You could have done something different there. So it's just like they just, they just kept having to kill characters. And but back to my point, Keith, it's like they might as well just nuke them all because nothing changed. How weird was it? In a two and a half hour movie, I think we would all agree, what was the most extraneous part? It was this weird element of Kate, uh, Scott's daughter, having to go find her friend from the beginning of the movie. Very weird. But whenever they got back and like killed Theo Rossi as a zombie, it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. But then Gita just dies in the chopper. It's like, okay, so why did we spend so much time on this? Cut out 30 minutes of your movie, get rid of that plot, because... You could have just nuked them because they all die two minutes later anyway when they crash. So it was just a goofy. And that brings me to my kind of just general point here, guys, with the ending. I like this movie. I liked it. I want it on the record that Matt Johnson liked Army of the Dead. The ending of this movie was absolute garbage. Personally, <laughs> I thought the ending was going to be so good. Omari Hardwick, they set up this weird thing you guys said, where Dieter sacrifices himself for his new friend, throws him in this safe, and I was like, I was wondering at the time, like, what's going to happen with that? I mean, he's just going to die in there. But then when the nuke hits, I was like, oh, okay, so he's going to be all right. That's pretty cool. And 
he survives the blast. He gets the money. So the money is still in play. I was like, that's interesting. And I genuinely, I'm not even like being hyperbolic here. I thought we were in for like a masterpiece revenge-esque ending. A la fucking Red Dead Redemption when it comes to the epilogue. I was convinced he would want revenge, go to Tanaka, and kill him. That seems like what they were doing when he walks all the way there with the money, gets the car, rents a plane. He's going to go get Tanaka and kill him. But no. Turns out he's just trying to spend money lavishly. Um, And then the twist, guys. All the critics said, where's the twist? Well, here's the fucking twist. Oh, wow. I'm, I don't feel so good. I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, no. I was bit. Great. I've never seen that before. Maybe they're setting up some bullshit sequel or something, but it felt forced. Guys, why wouldn't he just kill himself too? I mean, he's about to spread a zombie virus to the world. Is he not going to kill himself? I don't know. Custom Black. What did you guys think? Am I crazy? Am I out of line? This ending sucked. Do you agree? No, the ending wasn't great. Um, I did actually kind of like Omari Hardwick's character being on the plane and spending the money. Like, I thought yeah. that was pretty fun. I was like, that makes yeah. sense. You've got all the money. You're going to blow it. Um, but yeah, the reveal of like, oh no, I'm bit. I, it's just, it's so, every zombie movie ends this way. Yeah. It always ends with our main character being bit. And it just didn't feel original. It wasn't surprising. Um, I would have loved to see him go take down Tanaka, like you're describing that. I thought whenever he like pulls up to the money with that car, I thought the next scene is going to be that car pulling into Tanaka's driveway. And then yep. that didn't happen either. So I was on the same page as you. I really thought we were headed there. And that's not how it ended up playing out. I mean, I, I always try on this show not to complain about a movie like what it didn't do. We should only review what it did. Right. But my thing is, like you said, Austin, like it's setting up for that. Like he's clearly going there and then he just doesn't. And the bigger issue is so Tanaka is just you've all met him, but you just don't even resolve the plot line. The last shot we see of him is just him drinking and just going, ah, dang it. Not getting my money or my alpha head. Like, why is he not taking revenge? I mean, Omari Hardwick at the beginning was set up just like Tignataro as one of like the long term friends. He was there for the opening montage. He helped in the Las Vegas like conflict and he doesn't care. Just so weird to me. I mean, Keith, what did you think? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think. At least some of the main characters should have survived, and, and I was really sad when Dieter died. It was cool that he kind of sacrificed himself for Vanderhoe, but it would, it would have been even cooler if he and Vanderhoe would have gotten to the safe together, survived, gotten out. Dave Batista and Kate would have survived the helicopter, and then those four could have been like the main characters that survived this movie and gone on either to a second movie or gone on to the end of this movie to kill Tanaka. That would have been my ideal ending. The only thing I can say to play devil's advocate is Vanderhoe doesn't find out about Tanaka and Martin's little, hey, we want that zombie head to create a weapon of mass destruction because Vanderhoe gets locked into the safe. So for that character, he really doesn't have a reason to go after Tanaka because all he really knows is that Tanaka hired them to go rob this casino. And that's fair. That's fair. I guess my only argument to that, which is a good point, is that will then have at least one other character survive that knew about it, that would go do that. So we get that. And then you can also have your Omari Hardwick, like, sequel bait ending, like, oh, no, I'm landing in Mexico City, and I'm infected. 
You can do both. I just it was so weird whenever it shows him like carrying the money out. He survived. He's driving. He's flying a plane. It's like, oh, wow, he's sparing no expense to go after Tanaka. And then it's like, oh, no, he's just spending the money. It was just weirdly presented, I think. So it, it was confusing to me. Um, but regardless, guys, if we get a sequel, I guess it won't star any of our familiar faces except maybe Ella Purnell's Kate. But we do know, actually, about the future of this franchise. And I didn't know about this. Do you guys know what's to come for Army of the Dead in terms of a franchise? I knew about the anime, but I didn't know about oh, the Oh, yes, stuff. I did read that. Yeah, the anime thing. Yeah. All right. Well, here's what we got for everybody out there. So the future of Army of the Dead. Is this the Deadverse? Is that what this is called? Oh, the Armyverse? The, uh, the Deadverse is better. That was a good call. So yeah, Matthias Schweikoffer will return to star and direct a prequel film called Army of Thieves. Nathalie Emanuel from Game of Thrones and Fast and Furious will also star. And they are clearly fast tracking this because I just read that it is also already finished shooting. That's going to be trash. Ooh. That's going to be so bad. That title's <laughs> that title's not good. I like the Matthias uh, Schweighoffer character, but me too. Army of Thieves. What are we? That's not. How is the zombies even going to play into this? That's what I'm curious understand. about. It's too close to the title Den of Thieves. I'm calling it now. Army of Thieves will be trash. It will be below a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes when that thing premieres. Yeah, I guess my question is: They set up in this movie that he hadn't killed zombies before, so you have to imagine. I mean, the rest of the world is seemingly safe. So if it's a prequel. I guess it's just a heist movie. And again, I liked him a lot, but I'm curious how it ties in, if at all. Uh, and then, yeah, like Austin mentioned, the other thing we know about is there will be an anime spinoff called Army of the Dead Lost Vegas. Apparently, we'll focus on that time we saw in the opening montage, essentially the beginning of the outbreak when they were trying to quarantine Vegas. So my hope is that they bring back you know, the same actors who do the voices, Dave Bautista, Maury Hardwick, etc. Uh, any interest in that one? This sounds pretty cool, especially if it's like invincible level violence in the anime. The opening sequence of Las Vegas being taken down by the zombie outbreak was my favorite part of the movie. So I'm down to see more of that. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I feel like they were a really cool team, which is why I was so sad that they all died at the end of this one. I was hoping to see them actually get into more close up zombie action. Um, like I mentioned before, I think like every one of them had like their own strong suit like Vanderho with his chainsaw and De Batista which is with his like brute strength and like accuracy with his gun and all that yeah they were just badass looking like you said Austin in the beginning of this movie watching the montage and them fighting was so cool we got what we got and it was still cool we all just kind of went over what we liked about it but uh we really didn't get to see the team be the strongest you know that they could have been I mean the, the idea of a special forces team that specializes in extracting people from a zombie outbreak Sounds like a really cool movie. So I really hope that that's like the premise of this anime because I think that could be super fun. That's what it sounds like, yeah, which sounds really fucking cool. But yeah, going back to what you said, Keith, when Dave Batista picked up that zombie and threw it into the archway of the door and broke the head on it was like, that might be the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that was good. That was good. So guys, before we get out of here, I know we all had kind of like varying opinions on this film, but I just want to ask you guys something that's kind of been on my mind a lot lately. I still think Netflix has yet to have like a really smash hit universally praised movie on their hands for like a Netflix original. They're so good at their series. They always knock it out of the park when they do a Netflix original series. Why is it that they just cannot seem to make like amazing movies? Like I think all their movies are just 
mediocre to bad at best. Like for me, literally when I see a trailer for a, a movie and then at the end it says it's going to be a Netflix original movie, I just immediately assume it's going to be bad. And I like usually don't have any interest in checking it out at all. I mean, I agree. There's been some shitty ones for sure. Okay. I'll say one that had potential that I have watched multiple times because I like the action in it. Oh no. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, but go ahead, Keith. I would say Triple Frontier. That's the fat Ben Affleck movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. You thought the action was good in that, Keith? I thought it was decent. Did you like the way a chunky Ben Affleck sits on a rock and gets shot in the head? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of did. That was pretty I mean, good. <laughs> I mean, it was a good twist. <laughs> he lost 10 pounds whenever the shot went through his head. <laughs> Thank God the Snyder Cut came out and we actually got to see healthy Ben in the movie. Healthy Ben. Well, Ben's even healthier now. He's with J-Lo, guys. Benifer's back. Oh, <laughs> oh, they are? I thought he was still trying to make it work with Anna Diarmas. God, I wish he would. I wish he would. Um, yeah, I think you, the, the thing we have to keep in mind is that, and it happened with this movie, they're taking movies that are already in development, Netflix I'm talking about, and they're just buying them. Sometimes they're taking movies that are already done shooting and just being the distributor. Like, they'll go okay, we'll just release it on our platform. So I feel like what that leads to is, well, nobody else bought it, which means it's probably not great. Maybe it's decent. And Netflix is like, well, we have an audience for it, you know? So that's why I think a lot of their movies are just fine. I mean, they've had success. They've had some award contention when it comes to performances and stuff like that. But I do agree with Austin that there hasn't been like a smash hit. And we already talked about it at the top with Dave Bautista, but I genuinely feel like the fact that they spent like $400 million to acquire Knives Out 2, Knives Out 3 with Ryan Johnson, Knives Out 2 as a Netflix original might be like the first genuinely like smash hit, good all around, great cast, great direction, great writing, all that stuff for Netflix. I hope so. Um, We'll see. I mean, based on the way Netflix marketed this one and and sending out the theaters and stuff, they were really hoping that I think that this is going to be like their breakthrough movie. Um, it's fun. It's good. I think we all agree on that. But I don't I think it's like time, the yeah. universal hit that they were hoping for. I would. I guess the last thing I would say is I think it's a hit for what they were going for, if that makes sense. When it comes to just like kind of like a dumb, fun zombie action movie, I had a blast watching it. My only real issues were the ending, and then there's just stupid character stuff happening here and there. And then like with what Keith said, there's also just like dumb universe stuff with like the nuke and the timeline. It's like. Okay, I mean, if you're going to keep saying it, I I have to acknowledge it. But other than that, for the most part, I had a great time. But if they want like a smash hit on all fronts, they're going to have to change things up, I guess. Are you worried for Knives Out 2 and 3, like in Netflix's hands? No, not too worried. The first one was awesome. I thought the first one was like a perfect movie. It was really good. I mean, if they just play off that one, I think they'll be just fine. If they change shit up, then that's that's their screw up. That's the question, yeah. My guess is they'll just let Ryan Johnson do what he wants, which is probably for the best when it comes to that. But I guess we'll see if it's like drastically different then maybe we can blame Netflix for it. But who's to say? (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to wrap things up. uh, But before we do, we, of course, do need to do our Arnie's podcast awards. If you're new this week, this is the segment where we give an award to anything in this episode. Keith, always start this off. Keith, what is your award for Army of the Dead? Yeah, I think my award today goes to Scott, Mr. Dave Batista, for the best part-time burger flipper. Those burgers look good. They I did. was kind of hungry whenever he was flipping them, and I was like, damn, I could go for one of those burgers right now. 
I'd go to that burger shop for sure. So he gets an award for that. I was kind of worried though that his like sweat is getting into the burgers as he's flipping them because he looks very hot and steamy in that kitchen. <laughs> I'd still eat it. I don't care. It looked like a good burger. <laughs> Just a, it's the spice we need. Just a little bit of the good stuff yeah. for sure. Dave Bautista's sweat has tons of vitamin C, I hear. Just turns you into a, a pro wrestler if you consume enough of it. <laughs> yeah, you grow 12 inches. <laughs> I'm all roided up. Like his, his like steroids just leak into the burger. I'm like, like holy Ugh, shit. leak. <laughs> what you got, Austin? Uh, I'm going to give the zombie kill of the week to Mr. Dave Bautista. Oh. And it's that sequence when he's running across the poker tables. And just like yes. popping them one by one in the head. So much fun. So cool. Best shot of the trailer. And one of my favorite sequences in the movie, too. That was good. I like the shout out to Zombieland. For sure. Uh, well, you guys both give awards to Dave Batista, and I don't want to feel left out. So I'm going to give the stop award to Mr. Dave Batista as well. And that's when he's talking about tofu. Guys, we don't give a shit about tofu. Don't make your tofu burgers, your tofu fries. Stick with your lobster roll idea. Stick with the artisan grilled cheese. Do the world a favor, Dave. You keep giving us great performances and fun movies. So stop talking about tofu, mister. I disagree. I I ate a lot of tofu. I consume quite a bit. And if someone can make me a good tofu burger, I'm going to try it. He can't. He died. Oh, man, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he should have died with his glasses on. Don't you guys agree? <laughs> His tiny glasses. Alapurnell should have taken the glasses and put it up over his dead body and then closed out that way. <laughs> that would have been beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, everybody, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We will be back next week. For a very special episode, it's the one-year anniversary of the Arnie's, and we're just going to do a little celebration podcast, so be sure to check back in next week. It's going to be good, guys. I can't believe it's been a year already. Quarantine has certainly passed time faster than I would like, but it's exciting. We will celebrate accordingly. Look forward to that. Other than that, upcoming stuff, Quiet Place 2, Conjuring 3. I mean, we have movies that are also new that are coming out soon, so maybe we'll talk about those. And like Keith mentioned at the top, Loki will be starting in just a couple weeks as well. So keep an eye out for that. We'll be reviewing each and every episode when they drop. Yeah. And check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Please go back and catch up on our new movie roundup where we reviewed those who wish me dead and without remorse. Check those out and uh, let us know if you agree with our thoughts on that. And yeah, look forward to Loki coming up uh, in about a week and a half, I think. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Bye.